Welcome back to The Secret Runner, a weekly podcast in which I'll be talking to an international Ironman competitor, my secret runner, to get training tips and coaching advice for everyday runners like myself to reach their next personal best. This week is another special as The Secret Runner undertakes his big day, a full day of training that closely follows the format of his upcoming long distance duathlon. I'll be speaking to The Secret Runner after each of his training sessions, that's a run, cycle and another run and I'll be speaking to him as soon as he gets through the door so we can see how he's feeling throughout the day. So let's get to it. Secret runner, what is that on your face? (laughs) Okay, Uh, so it looks a bit like a plaster, I guess. Uh, It goes over the bridge of my nose, and I usually wear this on race day. It's just got like a... um, like a hard bone piece in it, it's like spring, so that it just pulls open my nostrils. Oh my god, you're like a cyborg, you've augmented yourself so that you're better at running than other humans. Yeah, I guess you could say that. So going back to my original comment in the first podcast, you're not completely human then? Uh, not <laughs> not on race day. Okay. Every other day. Right, so just to, it looks like you've been punching the nose, it's broken, you've got like a thin strip of tape yeah. over your nose, and it's just pulling your nostrils open. Yeah, and that is just tape, but with like a, imagine like a plasticky, like hard bone that wants to stay straight. So if you, I've got it taped on my nose like that, I've got it taped on my nose, so it's wanting to pull back straight, so it's pulling my nose open. I love all these tiny little things and maybe it's just all this little stuff is what I love finding out about so the reason I wear this is like some people might find it annoying some people won't find it useful at all but what I find is that maybe after about five or six hours of exercise especially if it's rainy or cold like my nose just starts to as I'm breathing in, it collapses in on itself, it can, and I don't have the strength in my muscle. You know how you can flare your nostrils? Yeah. My nose gets so tired that I can't <laughs> do that anymore. And so when I breathe in through my nose, the the nostrils close up. Yeah. Uh, so this just stops me having to think about doing that. This does it for me. That's fascinating. I love it. I'll, I'll stick a link in. Great. The reason I've got this on is because I'm doing my big day today. And big day is basically a full race simulation of all three disciplines, but with 90 minutes rest in between each. And the idea is to maximise recovery in between those 90 minutes and during each of the disciplines throughout the day, basically practice your race all in one day, a month out from your race. So I've just got back from my first run. Um, now for this, I didn't go and do an all-out 10k time trial. What I did is I did a couple of kilometers warm up, and then I did three times two kilometers at race pace. Right. And then I did a couple of kilometers warm down. So all in all, it was 9.75 kilometers, so just short of race distance. But within there was six kilometers dedicated at race pace. So I went out there this morning thinking that I'd like to try and hit three and a half minutes per kilometre for each of those kilometres at race pace. And I've just plugged my watch in and I managed to do 
kilometer one in 323, kilometer two in 330, kilometer three in 325, kilometer four in 327, kilometer five in 324, and kilometer six in 325. So I'm pretty happy with that grouping because when I set myself the target of three and a half minutes per kilometer, I was willing for that to slip quite drastically to like 340. And if it averaged out of 340, I was going to be, in my mind, I was going to be happy with that. So I'm over the moon with like 325s. My heart rate on those, for the first kilometre of each 2k interval, averaged around 165. But my second kilometre on each sort of like edged up towards 170. And that would have just tipped me over from zone 3 into zone 4, which I don't really want to be doing on race day. So maybe over the next few weeks I can concentrate on trying to run at that higher end speed but try and keep it in zone 3 because I know I can sustain zone 3 for a good half an hour, 40 minutes. So you don't want to be in zone 4 on race day and is that part of like all, all my training with all this heart rate zone stuff is is that to be keeping me down in zone 3 as well then so that you're not overexerting? No, not for you and, it, and the reason being because it all depends on the distance. So for me, I'm going to be out there for my race I'm doing in a few weeks. I'm going to be out there for a good seven hours or so. Yeah. You can't keep going into zone four and you can't sustain zone four without paying for it massively. So if I, even if I just keep flittering up into zone four, there's going to be a point where I can no longer recover from going up into it. And at that point, I'll just crumble. Yep. Whereas for you, you're doing a 10K and you're looking to try and do it in 45 minutes. So yours is all about doing a race that lasts 45 minutes. Mine is all about doing a race that's seven hours. Right, okay. Is it about giving yourself time to recover in the lower zones from the higher zones? And if you do too much in the high, or if anyone does too much in the high, they haven't got time to recover whilst running. Yeah, so like you might be able to sustain zone four for in, for the entire 10 kilometres. <laughs> yeah, that'd be lovely. <laughs> or one could, you know, like... You can train, you can probably train yourself to do that. I suppose that's possible, but at the end of it, you'd be like really burnt out. Yeah. Not like to the same level of crawling across the finish line, but if you kept going, you'd plummet and you'd just get slower and slower. Absolutely. Yeah. Which doesn't matter when you've crossed the finish line, because that's, that's the point. You've got to just run between those two white lines and that's it. Also, one other thing I was going to say is your heart rate zones are like 10 BPM lower roughly per zone of me and maybe it's because of a million different things but is that generally just because you're fitter being fitter is one that contributes to it as a whole but ultimately heart rate is determined by everyone's heart rate is very personal to them yeah you know so it's more it's more that that's just the way i am you should never basically you should never compare your heart rate to anybody else you should only compare it to yourself it's relative to you yeah sure okay so now I think I've probably got about another hour left of this rest and then I'm out onto my bike and I'm actually, I'm, I'm cycling down to where the race is, which is about 60k or so. I'm going to do a lap of the race, one lap of the bike course, which is 50k and then I'm going to cycle home. So my bike is probably going to come in slightly over race distance. But the terrain, there's quite a big mountain on the way down there to get over. There's two mountain passes on each lap of the course. And then there's the same big mountain to get back over on the way back. We'll see, we'll catch up, I guess, once I get back from that. 
I should imagine I'll be a lot more broken by that point and be yeah. pretty shattered and we'll see how I am. Nice. So are you feeling good now? Yeah, I am. That that session just then went better than expected. I've I've exceeded my expectations there. Excellent. All right. Well, I'll catch up with you then in four or five hours. Yeah. So this is this is the bulk of the of the duathlon. Yeah. Nice. I'll catch up with you in a few hours' time then. Welcome back, Secret Runner. Cheers. How are you? Uh, I, I don't really want to talk, but that's what I committed to at the start of this day. Tired. Yeah, that's it. Tired with an F. Yeah, how how far have you cycled? Do you know what? I don't know the exact figures because my Garmin uh, started playing up, started freezing, but I think about 160k, which is what, about 100 miles? But is the elevation. Yeah. It's an absolute killer, but that's that's the reason why I was doing it because that's what it's going to be like on race day. So it's good though. I, I tried to practice what I intend to do, and that was hold back on the first lap, maybe ramp it up slightly on the second lap, and then hope that I've still got something left on the third. And and I did on my way back, which was effectively the third lap. I um I was absolutely knackered, but I was still able to hold sort of like 40, 42 kilometres an hour into a headwind, which is good. And I was still able to hold like zone two and zone three a bit. So for the whole ride, I sort of like tried to sit in zone two for most of the time and then would go up into zone three for some more extended period and then couldn't help but go into zone four on some of the steep climbs. So you've maintained a pace you're happy with. Uh, It seems really weird to be able to talk to you in almost a full event kind of thing because it's quite interesting seeing you this is probably the closest we get to being able to like interview me during a race yeah maybe one one day we'll have to get to the end of one and then pull you aside and like do a post-race interview which should probably be horrible but and no, do you know what? After a race, it would be absolutely fine because the adrenaline's buzzing. You've just finished, and all of that. You you kind of have this extra reserve of energy when it's after a race, especially if it's a race that you've done well in and you're happy with. But on a training day like today, in fact, my wife just said, "Like, I suppose you've not really got the adrenaline as it will be on race day." So it's really where the mo- motivation comes in on a day like this, really. And I would say that these big days, they're harder than the race. Because I got up at 7 o'clock this morning to start this session, or this training day. And it's now, yeah, nearly 7 o'clock. So it's almost 12 hours I've been going for and I've got another run to do yet. It's these breaks in between, these big long, oh I say big long, these 90 minute breaks between each discipline. They both don't feel long enough but also kill your day at the same time. Whereas in a race, you just move straight on from one to the next, which is tough, but you just get it all done so much quicker. It's all just one effort. Yeah, you're trying to minimise the time between them, like as little time as possible between the end of running and start of bike, and, and yeah, you're doing the opposite. How hard is it to sit there then? And Are you trying to properly sit down, legs up, recover? Do you do anything dynamic to keep you warm? 
No, no, especially not today. That's the other thing. What's made today quite tough? It's um, thirty degrees. Oh wow! So it's hot, and it's so even though it's seven o'clock at night now, it's still twenty-eight degrees. And then I've still got this run to go out and do, so that's going to be a hot run as well. The minute ago, I was looking at my eyes in the um, camera because they're all bloodshot. I got stuck behind a farm trailer that was blowing out loads of like dust and hay. Uh, do you not wear like goggles or anything? Yeah, I do. I I show you what I wear. <laughs> it's like a a cycle helmet and a Rebel Alliance X-wing pilot helmet had a baby. It's yeah. kind of like half of a fighter jet helmet, just the top bit. Yeah. So can you pull that visor up, or is it down permanently? I can't pull it up. It is magnet on there, so I can pull it off, but that that would be just if I wanted to rip it off and throw it away. Do you wear, like, a face mask or anything just to stop flies and stuff going in? Because when I run, I breathe in so many, like, midges and flies, and it's horrible. All part of the nutrition plan. You just absorb the extra protein. No, I I mean, actually, today, I don't think I got any. But one thing that's interesting, actually, about this helmet, um, so this is a time trial helmet, so it's aerodynamic, and so it, like, covers the ears and everything. But you've got, like, these little ventilations, so the wind will rush through. So you think that because your ears are covered, it might be nice and sort of, like, all cosy and sort of, like, you feel shut off from the world. But actually, it's anything but because of as the air filters through the ventilation, it rushes past your ears. And so it's just like it's constant noise. And then when flies, flies hit a lot, the visor and the top of the helmet and things, and that reverberates round. So when they hit, it's like a massive clash. Um, So it can be quite, yeah, quite noisy in there. It's also nice to get back and just sort of give my ears a rest as well. So there was a couple of things that came up earlier that I was going to ask. And what do you do when you need a pee when you're cycling? Uh, so what, when I'm out training, I'll find somewhere to go to the loo, be that a bush or a public toilet. But I'm guessing you're getting more at what would I do during a race? Yeah. Uh, for number twos, obviously, they have port along the race at various points, so I would stop. But you generally don't need to if you've eaten correctly, because everything that you put into your body you'll use. So there's, there's not too much waste going on. For a wee, I wouldn't necessarily stop. Uh, not that I tell a race official this because you're not meant to urinate in public, but I would probably just go whilst I'm on the bike. In a race, pretty important race in 2019, I uh, went whilst I was running. But I mean, like, because if I'd have stopped, that would have been the difference between where I came and where I would have come. Well, yeah, when you talk a few weeks ago about, like, a few seconds between the podium and fourth place yeah. and just stopping for the loo <laughs> you'd lose it yeah moving on from the toilet then so one other thing that crossed my mind earlier isn't it cheating having all this recovery in between the sections no because if you if i just went out and did the race i'd have done the race and then i wouldn't have that performance in me for race day so I would be. It would be a detriment. You can't go out and put this 
performances out all the time. So what I'm looking for is to simulate it at the same time as getting a training stimulus. So I'm stimulating my body and also conditioning it to what's got to be done. I'm overreaching, but I'm not overtraining. If I was to go out and do the full race, then I would be overtraining without the gaps. I guess it's what you were saying a few weeks ago where you're tailoring your training so it's closer and closer to race day itself. Yeah. And so this is getting very close to it, but still still training. Yeah. If I didn't have that recovery, I would be putting my body into a state whereby it's going too far to be able to recover properly. And yeah, there becomes a point where you're not getting a training stimulus from it. You're just knackering your body out and wearing it down. I'd start to eat my muscles. We might start to try and get fuel from by digesting my muscles and then might lose muscle mass and so on. And that's all stuff you're willing to do on the day. And then how long do you, do you take time off then after a race? After an Ironman, it typically takes between, well, six weeks for someone who recovers fast to six months for someone to recover from an Ironman. Right immediately after the race like that week or for a few days do you do nothing or do you have to do little bits just to do a long a drawn out cool down i do pretty much nothing the nature of where these races are uh, there's usually travel involved and so there's a fair bit of walking and stuff like that so i guess you could class that as some, some form of active recovery but generally that first week i try to do absolutely nothing And then beyond that, you should not do anything intense whatsoever or else you're just going backwards, backwards, backwards. It's always like being right on a knife edge. You're trying to nudge it so that you're overreaching, but you don't want to go too far so that you overtrain. Because if you if you didn't recover properly from, say, an Ironman um, and you did go into that overtraining zone, then you... It, it can take it can take years to recover at that point like just like long-term damage yeah it is so so you've built so much up that unless you recover properly if you go to do any exercise you're just topping up that damage that you've already done that's why you take your recovery so seriously i guess then yeah yeah and like with time so like in 2019 i i had probably my busiest year uh, because i did I did three iron distance events in one year. So I never really had, I had one in May, one in July and one in December. So I didn't have those big gaps. But after the one in December, I had a real long, a real long break after that. Much longer than normal uh, because I was very conscious about what I'd done in that year. So how long have you got left on this little recovery session before you go for your run? Uh, I have got 47 minutes. And what will you do for those 47 minutes? I've just had some orzo and a bit of courgette. And I've had a banana and a protein shake. I had a nice cool orange squash. I'm just needing cold drink. I'm so so thirsty. Can't quench my thirst. And I want it to be cold. I might even send uh, my wife across the road to the shop just to pick me up a fizzy drink. Um, and then I'm probably just going to sit down, like even watching something on TV is too much at the moment. It hurts my eyes and stuff. So I probably just sit 
than staring to space for 45 minutes. Listen to old episodes of the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Um, so 30 kilometer run, is that right? No, 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 no. So um, the run, I will be doing an hour and a half. I'll probably get a half marathon done. Yeah, okay. So will it be 30 on the race day? It will be 30 on race day, yeah. But there's just, there, again, there's no need to go quite that far. Will the run just be a solid, like, 19-minute run? Or will you, like, with the first one, are you doing zones? And... I will um, do a 15 to 30-minute warm-up. And then I will be going for race pace continuous. So, yeah, that is probably sitting in zone two and three. Okay, well, we'll talk to you in two to three yeah. hours then if you yeah. can keep yourself awake yeah let's do that all right cheers welcome back again secret runner to part three of our big day special thank you yep so uh completed the run and we're actually recording this the day after because it was um, getting on towards sort of like 10 o'clock my time by the time I finished that run and I needed to eat and shower and all of that. I had a great last run. I hit some really good times throughout. Uh, I still felt like I had some left. Just executed it exactly as I wanted. And so by the time I got back, yeah, it's quite... It's not just a physical day, it's an emotional one. So all the all throughout the day it wasn't emotional, but like by the time you finish that last run, yeah, you can, you can start to get a bit emotional, to be quite honest, because numerous reasons. One, because of physically your body's getting broken down, so you become more emotional throughout that state. And then secondly, probably the more important one, it's like I've been saying to you in all of your training, like hold back, hold back, hold back. It will come later on. You'll be able to let it all go. And that's the same as it's been for me. So I've been training since like March and I've been holding back. And it's not till now that I've really let it all go in that sort of session. And so you don't truly know what sort of form you're in until you have a day like yesterday when you actually let it all out. And it was it was good confirmation that everything I've been doing, I've been doing correctly. Um, and I find myself where I wanted to be if not in slightly better shape than I expected to be. So, yeah, really good day, all in all. I wasn't sounding this sprightly at the end of the day yesterday, but, yeah, with a good night's sleep and um, plenty of food today and a nice, easy couple of days I've got coming up now, um, I'm really happy. Yeah, you didn't look like you wanted to record after your cycle, to be honest. There was a look on your face like... Oh, I wish I hadn't agreed to this, but yeah, I guess that's also part of just you just pushing through and carrying on, which is what you do. Yeah, and I still, and I still, even now, I've got like my bloodshot eye and that, and so I enjoyed the way that we recorded yesterday, but it, it was something to add on top of. I wouldn't want to do that all the time, but I think it was good to try and capture it. And and it is a shame we didn't record straight away after I came back from my run yesterday, because again, I think that would have caught another dynamic where I was quite emotional, but also on a high of doing everything that I wanted to. And I felt like I had a really good run. I was sort of running similar times as to what I was in the morning, but 
like 15k into a run after the whole day that I had. So nice, it felt really good. Next time, um, just do a voice note and we can include clips. Because I was going to do that with you after my first run weeks ago where I ran a 5k in under 30 minutes and I came back and I was pumped. I was like, I wasn't even trying. Oh, I'm so pleased. I'm so excited. And then you text me and you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, bad run, Pete. You did too fast, too hard. And I was like, oh, fuck that. I'm not showing you that. I feel like a dream killer, but I stand by. No, not at all. You're, you're showing me that that wasn't the dream. That was, that was really early and me not yeah. really understanding how it works and I've obviously completely shifted now and I'm in fact a few things I was going to say um I have I actually haven't done my TT yet I'm doing it today cool so I will go out and do that sort of later on what you're saying about being emotional this obviously isn't the same scale but last summer when I was getting back into running before I had surgery and got it over Christmas and stuff I remember running 14 and a half k which was the longest I'd run in a long time, longest time and longest distance. And I met the kids in the park. So I, they went to the park and I ran there like a really long route. I was just so, just so happy when I got there. I was exhausted. My legs were hurting. And I just sat down on the park bench, lost my watch. <laughs> but I was, I was, I did feel a bit emotional. Like just, it, obviously it's nowhere near the same extent as you, but just a little bit of pride. Like I haven't run anything over a 10K for a while and, and it felt really good afterwards. And it, I know what you mean about the emotion of finishing something a bit bigger. It's the same as when I finished like the 10k or half marathon or something. Sometimes it can be difficult to unpack those emotions as well. Sometimes it is quite straightforward and it's just pride and feeling proud and on a high that you finished it, completed what you set out to do. And other times it's um, a bit of bag of feeling absolutely done in, feeling happy that you finished it. It can even be being sad that you finished it, like you don't know what's coming next, um, mm. especially after a big race. So sometimes, yeah, it's a, it would be interesting to try and capture those in the moment in the future for either of us when we can. Then we can maybe delve into it all a bit further and unpack it. Yeah. You put some notes about your run. Yes. There was a lovely moment when I was out on the bike and I was going up one of the big climbs and it was kind of through a a bit of a residential area and being a nice day there were kids out on the streets playing and um, I'm not sure you'd get this in the UK quite so much but they all just lined the streets and as encouragement in sports especially in like running and cycling and triathlon over here the Swiss uh, they say hop 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 hop." (laughs) and so you had all these kids lining the road just as me out on a ride uh, comes past and they're all going hop 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 so that's been like come on like you can do it like that yeah it's just like go on go on yeah go 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 so it's just their form of encouragement over here and it's just it gives you such a lift at the time and it's not the first time I've had it I get it quite a bit with the like if I go through a residential area especially if it's on a climb because the kids are so engaged with bikes and bike racing at such a young age they see all these races on TV and they see people doing that at the sidelines. So when you've got cyclists coming up a hill by you, they mimic and they do the same. And it's they're loving it because they're, they're doing what they've seen on TV. And I absolutely love it because they make me feel like I'm on TV for, for 10 or 20 seconds. When I did my uh, easy run this week, this maybe is a reflection on the, the slightly 
rougher corners of Bristol that I run through. I ran past some kids on a bench. You see them come in and you think, oh, what are they going to do? Probably nothing. Keep running. And then they, they all looked up because they were crowded around a mobile phone on a park bench. And they looked up. They didn't do anything. But there was a much younger one with two older teenagers. <laughs> and I ran past and the younger one just went, run! <laughs> I thought, oh, I am. And then he went, oh, your legs are moving. And I thought, what, what, what? Does he want, like, by the time I'd finished thinking, what the hell are you talking about? I've already, like, gone past him. Mm. And I thought, like, either shout something encouraging or shout an insult, like, oh, you're so slow or something. A few seconds later, I thought, what he really needs is a good a good slap across the face. <laughs> and then I thought, probably shouldn't do that. It was just weird. Like, he wasn't even heckling me. So that was, <laughs> your kids were encouraging you my kids were nicer what's your second light-hearted anecdote <laughs> so the next one uh was on my final run of the day there's a park just up the road from me which has a great path around the outside which is almost exactly one kilometer in length so i did a few laps there ran off came back and then finished off my run there with about four or five laps so this is the very end of the day i'm knackered I'm running some great times and there were some kids playing sort of keepy-uppies with uh, football on, on the pathway. First time I came past, I went round them. Next time I came past, the ball did come off wildly in the direction I was running. So I just turned round and kicked it back to them. And then uh, the next time I came past, they, they were all sort of like teenagers, I'd say. But the next time I came past, there was a kid that I would say estimates probably between six or eight and he had the ball and I could see as I running around the corner he was holding the football up in his hands above his head and smiling expectantly at me and I just couldn't help but my big grin on my face at that point because I, I knew that something was about to happen he threw it and it bounced up perfectly for me to catch it with my hand boshed it like a volleyball and it looped up and over and straight back to him perfectly. I couldn't hear him because I had my headphones in, but he just started giggling uncontrollably. And after that, that was my that was my last lap and off I went home and it was a perfect way to end the day and perfect way to end that run. That sounds much more pleasant than the ones I've had. I'm going to have to pay more attention for some positive interactions when I go running. That little kid that chased me ages ago, I gave him a high five. That was all friendly. Well, anyway, you had a good run and you enjoyed it and you had fun doing it. Yeah, and so big day in general, I would say, was a success. I executed everything that I wanted to. Um, to be honest, big days don't usually necessarily go that well. One of the reasons that I do them is to try and put pressure on things to see what is not good enough or what we need what I need to improve on so there's not too much that has come out of this one it's not so I haven't learned anything out of it but um good execution I'm happy confirmation that things are going well absolutely thank you secret runner and thanks everyone for listening Thanks, Pete, and thanks, everyone. I hope you enjoyed my big day experience. Please get in contact with us to uh, share any of your big day experiences and your big training days. 
or send us any of your listener questions and we'll be sure to answer those in future episodes. Just go to thesecretrunner.com to follow links to our Twitter and Facebook profiles. So off you go, stay motivated and go share your secret. Mm-hmm.